But we come to this morning to the end of this series, This Is How We Know, and the Apostle John has been very clear. He's provided us some clarity in a time where we agree with me that we need clarity. We need clarity, particularly when it comes to the truth. What is the truth? What is the source of truth? How do we know what the truth is? How do we live in the truth? And that's been his heart. That's been his theme as the Holy Spirit led him to write these letters. And this morning we come to what we know as 3 John. Now, I feel like I need to say this. I'm not sure if I do, but it didn't, the letter came to this person. It didn't say 3 John on it. You with me? Okay, we, but my whole life, that's all I've known. This is 3 John. And it's like, why does he put numbers in his letter? You know, because that's, that's what we know. But keep in mind, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, we saw 2 John last week. These are letters that the Apostle John is writing to people. Now, there's individuals mentioned. Sometimes the individual isn't named. But don't forget that the context is a local church or local churches. He writes to individuals, but the Holy Spirit led him and then worked in the early church in those first couple hundred years of the church to include these letters in what we know as the Word of God, the canon. If you don't know what that means, the canon, then where should you be Sunday at 9 o'clock? Matt, Ron, where should you be? Foundations class, yes, that's a word that comes up in that, that particular focus of that group. The church included these letters, and so they became known what we have in our Bibles. This is 3 John, but keep in mind as we walk through this that this is a letter written from one person to another. Now, I find it interesting that in 2 John last week and 3 John, he ends the same way, right? And I want to I kind of zoom in on that in, in just a minute. But before we do that, let's look at the introduction. There is an introduction and there's a conclusion. The introduction to this letter is in verses 1 through 4. The elder... Now, keep this in mind, too, what has changed. If I write you a letter, what do I put at the top of the letter? The Yeah, the recipient, the one I would say, Micah. And then, now I know email has changed that. Hey, he, he wasn't paying attention. He is now. That's good. Emails have changed it, right? We, we look in the heading. But a letter, if you guys remember what those are, is you write the name of the person that the letter is addressed to, and then in the end of the letter, you write who it's from. I think it's kind of cool. I think maybe we should learn from them that it'd be good to know who it's coming from first. Because how many of you drop down, if you remember letters, you drop down to the bottom and say, well, who's this from? That, that changes what, how you're going to receive what, about, you know, if you look down to the bottom and it says IRS... That changes how you go back and read through the letter. If it's from mom, aw, now I'm going to go back and eat with me. So in this day, that was the practice. You would put first who it's from. And so he identifies himself as the elder, as he did in his second letter. And then he says, to my dear friend, and this is somewhat unusual. He, goes, he, he kind of really lays out his, his assessment, his relationship with the recipient of the letter who is named Gaius. To my dear friend, my beloved friend Gaius, I love you in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may prosper in every way and be in good health, physically, just as you are spiritually. For I was very glad when some brothers came and they testified, they told me, they affirmed some things that I already knew. They testified to your faithfulness to the truth how you are walking in the truth. 
And Gaius, I have no greater joy. I can't think of anything that would give me greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Now, this is his introduction. If you drop down to verse 13, we see the end, the conclusion. And in the conclusion, we read this, verse 13. I have many things to write to you. There's so much I want to tell you, but I don't want to write to you with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we'll talk face to face. Peace be with you. The friends send you greetings. Greet the friends by name. Now, a little side note here. This word friends is not a typical word that was used by the New Testament writers. It's almost always the, the beloved or the brethren is the most common And for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit leads John to use the word friends. I like to think that it roots back to John 15, when Jesus is talking to his disciples and John is there, and Jesus says, you are my friends. I don't know, I can't prove that, but I just, that that, that, that gives me goosebumps, I guess. To think of John writing this, and as he's finishing this letter to his friend Gaius, he says, the friends, the brotherhood, the rest of those in the other bodies the churches, they send you greetings. You greet the friends. You greet the brothers and sisters there by name. But I don't know if you picked up on this. This is where God captivated me this last week. As I have many things to write to you, I don't want to write to you about those things. I'll tell you when I see you face to face. And yet, between the introduction and the conclusion, verses 5 through 12, we have things that John did decide to write to them in pink, pink, Pen and ink, you get pink. <laughs> Pen and ink. Edit that from the video. You with me? And I found my, wait a minute, wait a minute. If, if, and he said it in 2 John 2, there's lots of stuff I want to talk to you about. And yet, we have 2 John. John felt compelled to share those things in that letter. And here again, he says, ah, man, I'm so looking forward to seeing you. There's things I want to catch up. There's things I want to talk to you about. But he just spent verses 5 through 12 sharing something that I'm going to label, what can't wait. What can't wait? That's the question I want you to consider with me as we move through our time together. What is it in my life? What is it that God wants to address that just can't wait? I think we have this in verses 5 through 12. So go back with me to verse 5. He's done his introduction. He's talked about his relationship with Gaius. By the way, you, you see a theme in John, and I know you heard it even this morning. How many times did he use the word truth? The truth, see the clarity. This is how we know. John, from, from the beginning to the end of his, his inspired writings in the Word of God, he is, he is fixed on this, this reality. There is truth, and we can know it, and we should live by it. You can have clarity on that in a very confusing life. Very confusing day, a very confusing set of circumstances, voices. You with me? You can have clarity, John says, and we can know certain things. And so I I went back again. It was for my benefit as much as hopefully for yours. I went back to the beginning of the gospel, this idea of John and truth. In the beginning, John chapter 1, the gospel, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Is there any confusion there? Is there any doubt in, in John's heart or in his words? No, there's clarity, isn't there? Who exactly is Jesus? It's right there. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him, in Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of men. And we know that light is a picture of truth. 
It's the truth that God gives us. He ends his gospel almost at the end with this. These things are written, this gospel that I've just written and is now available, I wrote what I wrote so that you may believe what Jesus, believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have what? Yes, life in his name. We come to 1 John and we, we read this in 1 John verse 1. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes. Do you see the parallel with the gospel of John? Do you see him reflecting? Can you just hear him reflecting back on what he wrote in the gospel? And here he is towards the end of his life and he's going back to that and he's saying, oh, what was from the beginning, what we've heard, what we've seen with our eyes, what we've observed and we've touched with our hands concerning the word of life. That life was revealed. How was life revealed? Through whom? Through Jesus. That's what he's saying in the gospel, that he was the life. He was the light of men. That life was revealed, and we've seen it. We testify, we declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we've seen and heard, we declare to you that you may also have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. This is, this is John's truth. Every time we see him walk in the truth, live by the truth, I'm so glad to see here that you're living, walking in the truth. This is what he's talking about. He wrote in the end of his first letter, chapter 5, verse 13, I've written these things to you and to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is how we know. How do, we know in, how do I know anything that is solid, that is strong, that I can build my life on. It's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. It's not, it's not the church. It's not the church history. Those are all a part of our experience. All the things that have happened, it's not through men. It's not through all these tools that we have, radio and, and the written word and all this access that we have to things. How do I know what the truth is? John says it's because of Jesus Christ. Because he came and he walked among us he was born to, to Mary as a virgin in this miraculous birth, and he, he grew up into a man, and he walked, and he taught, and he performed miracles, and he revealed to us who the Father is. How do I know what truth is? It's in Jesus Christ. And if I sound a little bit dogmatic about it, because I believe it to be true, there's no other foundation that you and I or anyone that you know in your life can build their life on other than the person of Jesus Christ. And that's John's conviction. And for us in the 21st century, in California in 2021, it needs to be our conviction, not our arrogance, not our pride, a humble conviction that Jesus is the truth. And he is the answer. He is what our world needs. It's what California needs right now. And we need to be living in that truth, walking in that truth. Okay, sidebar, back to here. So this introduction and this conclusion, and then in between are these verses, 5 through 12. So I ask this question, what can't wait? For John, what can't wait for a face-to-face -face meeting? What is he, he's going to explode if he doesn't get this onto paper and get it sent off by messenger to, to the church? What can't wait until a face-to-face -face meeting? Verse 5, dear friends, dear friends, excuse me, speaking to Gaius in a local church, Dear friend, you are showing faithfulness by whatever you do for the brothers. 
And then he wants to share something specific that he's heard about, especially when they're strangers. These things you're doing, this faithfulness, this love that you're showing to brothers, especially when they're strangers, someone that you don't know. They have testified, these strangers, these brothers who had been to the church where Gaius is, have gotten back to John, and they've testified to your love in front of the church here, in front of the church. They're talking about you, Gaius. You will do well to send them on their journey. Keep it up. Keep up what you're doing. Send them on their journey in a matter that matter, manner that is worthy of God. Since they set out for the sake of the name. Whose name? There's only one name. And they're accepting nothing from pagans, those who just don't understand. They're, the worship of Jehovah to Yahweh, that's foreign to them. They're accepting nothing from those outside of the church. They're depending on the church. Therefore, we ought to. We have an obligation to support. And I love this word. It literally means to come alongside someone. And I don't know why I think of football, but I do. I think of football, a guy who's injured, a player who's injured on the field, and the, all the people, you know, all the team doctors, they run out there, and then sometimes they bring out that card. But more often than not, you've got, and, it, and it's just, it's, this is burned into my brain. You got a guy that's like 6'6, six, 6'7, six, six, you know, 300 pounds, and then you got a guy my size, you know, who's the team doctor, and he comes and he puts his arm. You, you know, if, can you see this picture in your head? I've seen it many times. You know, and there's this guy with pads, and, but, his, but he's hurt, and he needs help. And the picture of this word is, is we ought to come alongside that one who's injured, that one who's tired, the one who just can't make it to the sidelines, and we come and we lift up underneath and we walk with them. He says, Gaius, that's what you've been doing, and that's what we ought to do. We ought to support. Take a hold from underneath and lift up such men so that we can be co-workers with the truth. What is it that couldn't wait for John? Let me, I'm going to suggest a couple of things, three of them. Here's the first one. Celebrating those who put the needs of others before their own. Celebrating those who are living in the truth, they're walking in the truth, and they're putting the needs of others before their own. The theme for 2021 for Crossroads is what? Love first. Love first. And we've been asking God to show us what does that look like in 2021 here in our families, in our marriages, in our community, in our church. What I think couldn't wait for John, what was so compelling for him, what we, but just, just moved him to write, is we need to be celebrating those who put the needs of others before their own. That's what he's doing. He's celebrating. Remember, this is written to Gaius, but who's going to read this? The church. Who's reading it today? The church. And he's, he's, he's communicating this need to celebrate those, to honor those, to build up those. And can we just be, can I be honest? We, we really struggle at celebrating. We do. We, we, do. we just, it, it's... And I know it's, we're tired sometimes. I know there's many other things that we need to do as a body, as a family. And some of you are better than others. You have birthday parties. You have anniversaries. But let's be real, guys. You know, the anniversary comes. <laughs> see, I see lots of smiles on the faces of the ladies. And we're like, oh, my goodness, it's tomorrow. <laughs> How many years? Ah, uh, 37? 38. 38. 38. Oh, good. She doesn't know either. I'm good. I'm going. <laughs> but other things we put planning and prep, and boy, we need, to, we need to talk to somebody. We need to plan this. We need to do this. Sometimes we struggle with celebrating, and I believe that what's on John's heart is that, first of all, is that I, I need to encourage 
by my words and by actions that we need to celebrate those who put the needs of others before their own. Who is this Gaius? It's interesting that Gaius is one of the most common names in the New Testament. So the short answer is we don't have a clue. It could be anybody. However, there are three Gaiuses in the New Testament mentioned specifically. I'm going to point them out, and then I'll tell you later who I think he is. So one of his Gaius from Corinth. He was baptized by Paul and later became a host to the Apostle Paul. Uh, it talks about him in 1 Corinthians and Romans. There's Gaius of Macedonia. He's one of Paul's traveling companions. And he was involved in the riot or was on the receiving end of, of, the, of the violence of that riot in Acts chapter 19. And then there's Gaius of Derby, who traveled with Paul on his last missionary journey. And Paul used him as a messenger, sent him as a messenger, as a delegate, to not only deliver messages, but also gifts that the church was collecting for other parts of the body that were suffering. Which one of these three? I can't tell you for sure. I'll tell you in a minute who I, who I think it is, but why does that matter? Because it's a real person living out his faith in the context of a local church. And John is saying we need to celebrate the example of him putting the needs of others before his own. Keep it up, Gaius. I've heard, in fact, the reputation has made it all the way back to me. The people, some of those that you've served have made it back, and they gave testimony. I said, this guy, this guy at that crossroads church in Carmichael, I'm telling you, when we came there, who are these, who are these strangers? It was very common for those... Sorry, somebody wants me to share the password. I'm not going to share it with you. Sorry. came up on my iPad. It was very common for, for, for men and women to travel and, and bring a word of encouragement to bring the gospel not only to areas where it hadn't gone but also to the local churches because remember, they certainly didn't have this, right? They didn't have an iPad but they also didn't have the New Testament. Just bits and pieces were maybe making it their way. Different letters from Paul or John. And so these, these people had given their life to proclaiming the gospel and they came to the church where Gaius was and he received them, he welcomed them, he loved them, he met their needs. In spite of, we'll see in a minute, that there were others in his church that thought that he shouldn't do that. We'll see that in just a minute. What can't wait for John? We need to celebrate those who put the needs of others before their own. What, do we, what would we celebrate today? 